Chapter Twenty Three of the Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. Strange tales were being told of Cameron's son in Wirreford. Donald Cameron had been laid up, crippled with rheumatism, since the early spring, and Davy had been managing for him. For the first time in his life, the boy found himself with responsibility, authority, and money in his hands. The old man required a strict account of his movements and operations, allowing him only a few shillings to pay for his meals, and nothing over for the couple of drinks that cemented a deal in the township. McNab had got hold of young Davy. How, it was not exactly known. Let the old man sew up his money-bags. Young Davy'll open them for him, sale-yard loafers began to say. Davy swaggered. He was cock of the walk at McNab's. Connell had gone to New South Wales again and now there was not a man spent more, nor was as free with the dice as Davy. The schoolmaster heard McNab talking to Davy in the parlour behind the bar one evening, filling the boy with a flattery that went to his head faster than the crude spirits he plied him with. "'The only son of the richest man in these parts. Be a bit of a billionaire yourself, Davy, when you're too old to enjoy the money. Have a good time with it,' McNab said. "'Your father's a great man, a great man, Davy. A bit near, that's all.' Don't understand that a high-spirited youngster like you's got to have a bit of guilt about him. Makes you look ridiculous, that's what it does, having no more money about you than a teamster or a bloomin' rouse-bout. Here you, hold your tongue about the old man, McNab, Davy struggled to say. You, you give me the money. It'll be all right when I come into the property. I want to go and have a game with the boys now. McNab sniggered. Oh, well, you're a lad, Davy, he said. "'As good a man with cattle as your father, and you know better than he does how to make yourself popular. "'We used to say you was as mean as him once, a chip off the old block.' "'Davy started to his feet. "'He stood by the table, swaying a little as he hung to it. "'You—you you be careful, McNab, or I'll smash your damn head,' he said. "'It was only when they were very fuddled that men spoke to him like this,' McNab giggled. "'Farrell heard the boy's voice. "'It came to him, thick and uncertain, through the thin walls.' The door of McNab's parlour was ajar. He caught a glimpse of Davy's sullen, flushed face, his eyes, stupid and dull, with the glow of drink in them. He pushed open the door and went into the room. "'Hello, Davy,' he said. "'I was looking for you.' Davy stared at him uncertainly. "'You mayn't known, Mr. Farrell,' McNab said, an evil light in his yellow eyes. "'But Davy here is doing an important bit of business with me, and you're intruding.' The schoolmaster glanced at him. "'Intruding, am I?' he replied coolly. "'Well, it seems to me it's just about time.' "'What do you mean? What the hell do you mean?' "'School's out, Mr. Farrell,' Davy crowed, lurching back on his heels. "'You hurry up and give me the money, McNab.' McNab put a couple of sovereigns into his hand. "'Come and have a drink, Mr. Farrell,' Davy cried boisterously. "'There's a couple of chaps in the bar waiting for me.' "'And I'll play you poker. Bob rises. Not a dime more.' He staggered across the room and threw open the door into the tap-room. McNab followed him, turning back at the doorway to shoot a glance of triumph at the schoolmaster. Davy's appearance in the bar was hailed with a shout. Dan heard the rattling of bottles and glasses, the shouts of laughter, blaring of oaths and stamping of heavy feet that followed the boys' calls for drinks all round. Fragments of a song— bawled jocosely came to the schoolmaster's ears as he tramped down the road to the cottage on the edge of the township. He brooded over the change in Davy, asking himself how he came to be kicking over the traces. 
why he was going to the dogs with the ne'er-do-wells of McNab's, what Donald Cameron would say to it if he knew, how he could fail to know, what his mother was feeling and thinking about it. She would know, of that he was certain. Not much escaped those clear, still eyes of hers. In the morning, when he saw the boy again, he tried to speak to him, but Davy swung past, dragging his hat over his face shamefacedly. The schoolmaster got into the habit of watching him, trying to see his face. Sometimes it surprised him. He had seen Davy thrashing a steer until the blood poured from its tawny hide. He had seen him swinging along the roads on sale days after the midday meal, reckless and laughing, his head thrown back, a couple of McNab's men at his heels. He had heard him singing drunkenly on his way home to the hills in the evenings. He went after him one evening, when Johnson, Cameron's head stockman, had gone on early, and Davy was going home alone. "'Look here, Davy,' he said, riding beside him. "'What's this game you're on? You'll have to drop it.' Davy laughed. "'You're like the rest of them,' he said bitterly. "'Think a fellow never grows up. I've been treated like a kid too long. The old man's been making me the laughing-stock of the country. He's got to understand I'm a man, and I've got to be treated like one.' "'You needn't go drinking and chucking money about at McNab's to be that.' Davy's eyes veered on him. "'Connell does it,' he said. "'And you all think no end of him.' "'Oh, Connell! What has he got to do with it?' the schoolmaster hesitated. "'Connell does it. But then he's a roadster. It comes natural to him. It doesn't to you. You're Cameron's son, and—' "'Cameron's son!' Davy scoffed. "'Much good that does me!' "'What's your father going to say when he hears about this business at the Black Bull?' the schoolmaster asked. "'Say? Oh, he'll cut up at first. He's got to understand, though. I've got to go my own way, have some money to call my own. He won't know more than's good for him, though. That's arranged between McNab and me.' "'You don't mean to say you've got into any arrangement with McNab?' the schoolmaster asked. "'Oh, you needn't look like that about it,' Davy replied. "'It's a harmless one.' He's been decent. I'm not fool enough to give McNab any real handle against me. You're a darn fool, Davy, the schoolmaster said, his voice ripping the silence with startled energy. McNab and his crew will have you in a hole before you know where you are. Davy flicked the reins across his mare's neck. She leapt forward along the track. There was not a man in Wirreford who did not think that he knew what Thad was driving at, that he was working for a shot at Donald Cameron through young Davy. Only he did not see it, the calf, they said. They laughed and followed the course of Thad's snaring, with winks, chuckles of amusement, and sly jokes at young Davy's expense, although they drank with him, flattered and applauded him, playing up to the part McNab had set them. The schoolmaster tried again to warn the boy. This time Davy was inclined to listen to him. What can McNab do to me? he asked. I'm not a lag, or a lag's son. No, the schoolmaster said, a little bitterly, but I've been watching McNab, seeing the way he works. He's got a genius for the underhand job. There's not much he couldn't do if he set his mind to it. He's set his mind to something now, I can see that, and you're in the way of it. I don't know exactly what it is. You know he doesn't love your father. Perhaps it's that. He's never forgiven him for trying to get him cleared out. He's using you somehow, Davy. I believe you're right, Mr. Farrell. Davy said slowly, after a while. "'I've been a fool,' he swore uneasily. "'Think I've been mad lately. I wanted people to reckon I wasn't just Cameron's son, and mean as they make em. I'm two parts wrong and one part right. 
the right part is i've got to be independent i've got to have money of my own it was what you said the other night set me thinking i'm going to keep out of mcnab's way mcnab never shows his hand when he means to win davy there was a whimsical inflection in the schoolmaster's voice you can only beat him at his own game if you don't let him see your cards either eh the boy looked at him you mean don't drop him at once let him down slowly yes he's got his knife into me too you know though he hasn't shown it quite clearly yet he's good at the waiting game it'll be a bit interesting to see how he marks us both off if we don't mark him off that is i'm going to get out of his way as soon as i can i'm giving up teaching here deirdre and i are going up to steve's for a while and then i hope we'll shake the dust of the weary off our feet they were parting when the schoolmaster said here pat and tom canny have cleared out to the new rush eaglehawk isn't it they brought in a mob for connell maitland's cattle from the northwest poor as mice they said connell was on the roads and will be in presently to take them up to the hills maitland's got a couple of fattening paddocks beyond steve's two days later on sale day this same scraggy mob of northern bullocks was still in the largest pen of the wirreford yards davy heard them bellowing mournfully connell's been expected the last couple of days to take charge of them somebody told him but he's not come yet and the schoolmaster's bidding the town for a man to drive him to the hills for him the boys have all cleared out to the rush dan's going to take them himself in the morning End of chapter twenty three